Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Uh, as usual, we're joined by Antonia. Hello again. And today, our guest is John, who is president of the Archaeology Society. Hello. Hi, everyone. Very exciting. So, I've got the quick fire questions for you, John, um, that we usually start the podcast with. They're like just this or that question. So, are you ready for your club? Let's do it. Okay, number one, Mason or library for your Mason, study place? Mason, Mason all the way. Love Why Mason. It's Well, it's like, I'm a very social person. I love to chat, as you'll probably find out in the podcast. <laughs> um, I just like bumping into people and being like, oh, well, hi, how are you? And then I can also be like, okay, I need to focus now. And there's coffee right, right there. Yeah, that right is there. true. I don't think we're bigging up the cafe that's in Mason enough, actually. It's like, a banging cafe. It's it great snacks. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you do always bump into people in Mason if you study like a subject where you have lectures in the arts building because loads of people study there, so you always bump into something. I mean, I see loads of languages students that I know in there and it's like, oh, you're in here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> My domain. <laughs> okay, question two. <laughs> seminar or lecture seminar I love to chat all day every day and I like I like a discussion about something because it's just more engaging for me and I learn a lot more by doing and talking than sort of being sat there and talked at mm -hmm. yeah that's fair yeah. okay question three coursework or exam Ooh, I like exams a bit better because I can retain a lot of I feel like I can retain a lot of knowledge. Um, I can, can cram a lot of knowledge in and I'm good at regurgitating that knowledge because I'm so used to exams and coursework is a bit more like pressure and it has to be perfect for exams. You can have a little bit wrong, but it's all right because you've got the knowledge there. You can have as much knowledge as you want, but like it's the few little nuggets that you find that no one else has thought of and you throw that in as like a really special kind of moment <laughs> and it brings it brings it just in my mind it brings it up but if yeah. you throw that into an essay it's sort of expected mm. yeah i get you There's and i like like the wow factor <laughs> i can totally appreciate that and i believe it of you yeah, okay question four the big question greece or rome Prehistory of Britain. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this is not very inclusive of your degree. Um, no, for me, it would probably be. I do. You know, I like different aspects of both. Like I, I like, that. like I like a bit of Greek mythology. Like who doesn't like the Greek mythology? Because really, it's the mythology in Greece is better than the Roman one. Um, and I like the like. I don't know. I just like the idea of like the Rome and the regimentedness of it. And the Greece is just a bit chaos and a bit ah. chaotic energy. <laughs> yeah, very much chaotic energy, and that stresses me out because it's like, who's doing what when? Well, very it's, fair. Yeah. I don't agree with you, but I will respect your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> okay, well, I'll pass you to John. If John, if you could introduce yourself, so we can get to know you even more. So I'm John, surprise. Um, I am going to my final year of um, the Ancient History and Archaeology degree. Love it, it's so much fun. Um, I have a real passion for prehistory. It's something that I find really interesting because like 
literature scares me because there's a lot of like hidden meanings behind things and I'm just a bit oblivious to them sometimes. Um, so I quite like the prehistory kind of thing because it's the archaeology and it's true like archaeology to its core, lots of digging and lots of interpretation. And there's also lots of opinions around it. So whatever conclusion you may come to could be wrong, could be right, we'll never know. That's really interesting. Could, could you um, explain to the non-Paha person here, aka me, what prehistory is? <laughs> so prehistory is kind of in the name. It's before history. So it's before any written records, really. So the first sort of writing we have in the ancient world is sort of in Mycenae with linear A and linear B. And there's kind of like a blurred line there. But then when we get to like the big cultures and I think it's like the archaic after the dark ages I know like Maeve and everyone's gonna like shoot me for saying the dark ages but after that period like there's literature and it's sort of prehistory split into three different compartments some of them have got three like the number three in archaeology so there's like the stone age which is um split into three so the mesolithic the paleolithic the paleolithic then the mesolithic then the neolithic um so early, middle, late, and that's sort of mostly the stone circles you'll kind of find, so like Stonehenge, the stuff in Orkney. Then there's the Bronze Age, um, early, middle, late, which is which Paul Garwood works on. Um, that's his main focus. Um, and then there's also um, the Iron Age, so early, middle, late, um, which Henry, Henry Chapman kind of works mostly on and it's just a basically a bit where there is no written record all we have is archaeology um so I just find that really exciting to be honest yeah that's that's fascinating you really are relying on what you can find mm -hmm. like and objects. it's millimeters it could be millimeters of dirt that mm -hmm. can show a feature so it could be like a burnt feature which you can tell so much from a burnt feature you can tell what kind of wood was used and from the kind of wood you can tell what kind of activity was going on. Maybe there's cremated remains in there. There's like so many different things you can find from like a little bit of ash in the ground that can tell you so much about a site. I just think that's really interesting. And obviously you can do that in Greece and Rome because archaeology sure. is archaeology. But I think it's a lot, in my mind, it's a lot more difficult, a lot more challenging because you have, you can only rely on the archaeology. There's no evidence to back it up. Like any interpretation you make, like you could say that this is, uh, funerary area where pyres were built and burned and everything but there is no literary evidence to support the idea that in that period of time there was pyre burnings going on like 100% mm -hmm. it's a bad example but like yeah, yeah. No, I find I, that really I, exciting that is really exciting and I imagine you have to be really careful on sites like I don't, have you ever have you ever been on site and done like yeah so I've been on like four excavations by cool three or four, something like that. And um, one of them was the birth, which is the Iron Age uh, site that we, that the university is connected to. So I did my three week excavation then in first year and I was supposed to go back there this year. Um, and one of the, it, I, I loved it. It was so much fun. It was a marsh sports, there was mud everywhere. You, shoes were destroyed, clothes were destroyed. And one of them, I, my trench supervisor was a, student, well it wasn't a student, she graduated, I think she was doing a master's or PhD or something, was a commercial archaeologist called Sam, 
one of the things that she really liked hammed home was clean your sections. So make sure that the edges of a trench are like pristine because that's where the most interpretation is going to get from because you get to the whole picture yes in one yeah you get all because the layers. If you're digging you see all the layers and that's mm -hmm. the most important thing in prehistoric archaeology because you get to see different activity because you know that it's like the laws of like superposition blah, 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 where one layer must be older than this one and older than this one however this good da, 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 da. that's yeah. so interesting a different layer could be like a different colour of brown. So you have to like have quite good eyes and be obviously different colours. It could be like a, the coarseness of the soil that tells a different layer, that tells a different occupation in the site. Wow. Interesting. Well, yeah. obviously you're really passionate about it. Um, it. But archaeology is kind of a bit like, it's a bit of something that I think it's hard to get into because you don't actually really get to study it ever before no. uni so what was it that like led you to archaeology and what made you realize that it's something you wanted to do for your degree so um in my secondary school um in in year seven i did latin and it was more interesting but i wasn't as passionate about it it was sort of just didn't really i was indifferent towards it mm -hmm. and then that teacher left and we had this uh female teacher, Miss Williams, who had just graduated from, I think it was like Cambridge, from doing archaeology and anthropology. And she then started teaching classical civilization. And I was like, took by this. Like it was the best thing in the world. I was known as the classics weirdo because I loved everything about it. Aww. It was really fun, really interesting. But like I, people would come to me for knowledge about it because I just knew it because I took it in so well because I was like, wow, this is so interesting. Like mythology and Da, 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 da. and she kind of got me inspired and then I never really thought about archaeology because I was like ew like dirt like <laughs> being dirt like for a living like ew <laughs> but then she was like no, no no you have to give it a try like why not what's the harm so I joined this archaeology society back from from the Berkshire Archaeological Research Group shout out Barg um <laughs> And um, I joined them, I did some seminars. I was like, oh, okay, maybe this is like kind of interesting and did some lectures. And then there was a dig, um, the Boxwood 2017 dig, which I'm so proud of because it was like my second ever dig. The first one I did was some small little like baby one in someone's back garden. It was kind of not really the real, a real one, but it was, we found a mosaic in the middle of nowhere and it's, I was like my first major excavation and we found a mosaic. Google the box of mosaic, everyone pause. Google the box of mosaic. It is this like two meter mosaic. Roger, Roger White knows about it. And he was like, you were on that. <laughs> and so I, I know the people, I was one of the people, I was in trench one. I was there when they found this first little sliver of mosaic. And it was the most exciting thing because there was this running joke with the lead archaeologist, like, oh yeah, we're going to find a mosaic this year. It was kind of like this absolutely ridiculous thing. And you've been saying it for years. And then suddenly it's like, oh, the, the, there's actually a mosaic here. <laughs> you've actually found one. And it's the most beautiful mosaic. It's red, black and white. There's like a red border, images of like Bellerophon. And it's gorgeous. And I was like, I can this see why like that would be so exciting. Ever. Yeah, I can see why that would excite you because it's like that means 
the potential that you could go on yeah. and dig and like find something that is that no one could have seen no because the geophysics like thousands of years yeah and it was like centimeters under the ground and this is like farmland so the fact that this wasn't like destroyed by plow was like what how is this possible I just I looked just, up it's, it's incredible i it's cannot believe amazing. you were part of this yeah, Anthony Beeson, I think that's his name, some like major guy in mosaics apparently said it's one of the greatest mosaics finds of the century, like something wow. like that, it was a big deal. Like it was actually a big deal, like the Smithsonian Museum picked it up and talked you about must it. Have been, that must have been such an inspiration. I felt thing. so famous, like, I'm not <laughs> even gonna lie. I was like, I have been part of this mosaic, it's reached across the world, I've not even started my undergrad yet. Because this was like year 12. Mm. And I was like, oh. Yeah. That's amazing. And also, like, it's pretty cool that like you had some, a local group that you could join yeah. that allowed you to do stuff like that. I don't know if that's common or. It's every county has got an archaeology group. Like yeah. it's, I was the youngest there by like 40 years. But <laughs> all of them loved me because I was like this new like excited person. Like the president of the society, her name was Janet. She, my heart, Janet, was just so amazing to me. She kind of took me under her wing. And they all just loved, like, I had this passion, they had this passion. It was all just passion-filled. And, like, if, it, it's, like, not that expensive to do. Yeah. And it's, like, also something that's good on your personal statement. Like, you've joined an archaeology group and you've showed interest mm -hmm. before your degree. You've done things. And you've kind of proven to yourself that you're actually interested in it. Yeah. I like think that's actually really, really important, something you said there about the fact that when you're passionate about something, whether it is archaeology, music, or um, yeah. reading, or whatever, or drama, or maths, I don't know, I'm being, I'm just saying anything right now. Yeah. But especially if you join like society. a cauldron, and the more you get involved in it, the more it stirs, and the more it stirs, and it sort of spoils over with all this passion and excitement, and it just gets you really excited, and it's like, ooh, archaeology. And also, it completely transcends age, or, you know, mm. ethnicity, or anything. Do you know what I mean? It's just lots of mm. people who have a similar love and interest. Archaeology is so niche, and people are like, ooh, dirt, like, why would I want to spend my life sieving wet mud and destroying clothes? But like, it's actually kind of fun. Like, I would recommend going on a dig for anyone. It's something I think everyone should try um, because it's, you get to know if you like it or not. And it's like, who doesn't love old stuff? Like, it does sound amazing. I, I am tempted to look up my local archeology span <laughs> society. <laughs> Do it, I mean, what's the harm? Like you join and go to like one thing. You're still part of a community. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Well, that's really nice to hear. And also your passion for archaeology has led to you going for president of the society, the Archaeology mm. Society Uni, which you also had a role in last year, am I right? Yes. So I was the education officer last year. So my job was to sort of get in lectures from other institutions um, and our own institution, just to give them to talk about us, just to fuel the bubble and cauldron of archaeology. Uh -huh. And give us something different there's so many amazing things that we just don't get taught because the curriculum just can't fit it all in so yeah. my aim was to try and get stuff that we haven't really been taught before because why not like yeah. we have such expansive departments but like 
archaeology is everywhere. Everywhere you step, there is probably some sort of archaeological remain or some sort of archaeological feature beneath your feet. Yeah. It sounds like you really diversified the kind of, inf like, the kind of um, research and things that our students and our community was being told about. Um, but, but you're now president. Yeah, I'm in charge now. Everyone run away from me because I'm a <laughs> control freak. And am I right um, in saying that you're hoping to do similar like lecture series where you invite other lecturers mm -hmm. in and you're hoping to do that again? Yeah, so I have emailed, I've done some emailing because it um, doesn't hurt to ask, and I have had seven people respond to me that they've been oh, willing oh. to give me a lecturers. Um, so we've got three lecturers of, of our own. So we've got Dr. Roger White, Dr. Maeve McHugh, and Dr. Larie Barb. Oh, look, I can't Is say her a, name. Um, that one. She's yeah. a gem. And I've also had an ex-student um, who I, who used to be in charge of the Eton Myers collection, who's now gone on to the British Museum to work on the Egyptian statuary collection, said she'd wow. come in and give us a talk on her PhD topic. Amazing. Why not? And then people, if people want, they can ask about careers in museology. Um, I've got someone from Kent who said they're coming in. I've got someone from Leicester. And I've got, unfortunately, we had to cancel the lecture last year because of coronavirus. But she's this uh, Dr. Anka Hine from Oxford who looks at ancient Chinese stuff and said she'd come and give us a lecture on it. That is um, so cool. she's going to talk about ancient megalithic Chinese burials. I think that's in, like, amazing. Southwest China. Like, how exciting is that? I want to know about China. It's, yeah, that's amazing. And you don't really like, like why not? If, if you hadn't have organized that, I would never have learned that unless I like, no. did it all. Like online or something of my own accord mm. so that's such a great opportunity for people to be able mm -hmm. to enjoy those so everyone should go when they yeah, have go them. to them or so can virtually. you go along do you be so yeah will you be one if we're still we're probably still going to be doing things virtually to an extent yeah. it's large group so like will it still happen virtually if they're yes it will be virtual because i'm not going to be responsible for an outbreak of coronavirus at university Love of birmingham that. i don't Love think i've won that on my conscious conscience <laughs> or on my cv or on your um, cv <laughs> <laughs> bless you um so i think i'll try and run them on zoom they're good for talk and maybe we'll have like a box for questions and that's really chats cool. So and do you have to be part of the Archaeology Society to come along? And, and if so, how do you become part of the Archaeology Society? Like, what, what's the situation? And do you have to study archaeology to come along? No, not at all. Absolutely not. Like, this is for anyone who's enthusiastic about archaeology. Am I right in thinking, like, you could choose to go to just one lecture, but it just might cost you a bit more than... Yeah. I mean, you're going to want to join the society, so you might as well do it from so. the outright. <laughs> but if you're not sure, feel free to message me or the Kaha, not the Kaha, the Arksock Instagram or anything. Um, we're going to start up some stuff again on the Instagram because I've been busy at work. Do you, want to drop your, do you want to drop your Instagram handle? Yes, let me hit up my Instagram. So I've got lots of social media stuff planned. I'm going to try and revitalise our Instagram. And the Instagram is UOBARCSOC, so that's U-O-B-A-R-C-H-S-O-C. Um, you can find it on the car or Instagram as well, I'm sure we're tagged in pretty much you everything. Are, yeah. um, and we're running um, the Kaha Collections quiz because I um, have worked with Megan McHugh and uh, Jen Turner 
on the archaeology collection in the Kahai Museum and I've also worked in the Eton Myers collection because I was like why not like it's something to do and it's really fun like look at old stuff why wouldn't I want to and every week we pick a new object so it could be a piece of pottery it could be an Egyptian artifact and there's gonna be three questions on what where when essentially on an object every Monday a little Instagram quiz just to sort of familiarise ourselves with the collection as well, because it's something that definitely Maeve is trying to encourage people to come and have a look at the collections, because we have tons of stuff in the collections, and we want to make it as accessible as possible, because the Etomise collection is such a valuable resource, and we haven't got it for that much longer. Go see it if you can, because it's such a fabulous resource that we have on our fingertips. Yeah. And why not use it? I think you're spot on, John. I think that's something that, you know, incoming students listening to this and continuing students, like we have a teaching collection. We literally have artifacts owned by us or on loan to us so we can go and see it and work with these amazing objects and artifacts. Um, not, not every space has this. And like, we should absolutely- No, it's something very unique to us. Like, we have a private Egyptian collection with objects ranging from lithics to an ibis, mummified ibis. Amazing. We have in the archaeology collection, there's prehistoric stuff, there's Mycenaean stuff, there's ancient Roman stuff, ancient Greek stuff. We've got Egyptian, there's a mummy, there's like a mummy coffin in the archaeology collections room. Like we have stuff at our fingertips and we need to use that because like when they're gone, like or don't cheat on the collections quiz. <laughs> don't cheat on the collections quiz that's really interesting though so you've got the collections quiz that you're currently doing and then you've got the hopefully mm -hmm. some lectures zoom yeah so what else do you have any other plans or is this kind of like yet to be decided those are the main things at the moment um i planned to do some highlighting of minority groups in archaeology so mm -hmm. for i've done a pride month event um and I've got a Black History Month event planned for significant black archaeologists, um, one of which is one of the founders of archaeology that I've never heard of. So I think raising awareness for that is really important. Um, and then I've got an International Women's Day month-long event highlighting the women in archaeology, because why not? That's like... so important, because most... Um, uh, what am I trying to say? like trades or what's the word professions professions i was trying to say institutions like but <laughs> most professions are dominated by white cis men, men. um mm -hmm. and like so we every profession deserves this kind of exposure and, di and diversifying mm -hmm. and awareness around their history um mm -hmm. archaeology i think almost m more particularly it, it it does need it. It is a white do a white cis male dominated field, but field. But there are more girls on my in my year who do archaeology than there are men. It just there needs to be more representation, in my opinion. And especially yeah. among, I, I'm really interested to hear about the one for Black History Month as well because mm -hmm. I think that is that's a huge thing for people to be yeah. aware of. Not to think Google John Wesley Gilbert. John Wesley Gilbert. Google John Wesley Gilbert. Is that and just have a look. One That's of one of the most important people in archaeology. Like, That's really interesting people. and kind of like um, really telling, really, that you haven't mm -hmm. heard of that archaeology. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Especially I mean, when you're passionate, you know? Yeah. Like it's not, it's not like you are somebody who would hide from information. No, I love information. It's, I'm a weirdo like that. Um, and I mean, like, yeah, I, it's gender and sort of identity is a more, new, it's a bit newer in archaeology. Um, I mean, there's been very, very few articles on queer archaeology. There's, my, there's, it's not as mainstream as it could be, but I guess queerness is difficult to see in archaeology because you're making lots of interpretations. Um, but like, it's something new and it's something really interesting, especially in today's climate, just to have a look at different situations in the past yeah. and have we changed? Have we not changed? Have we improved? How can we be better? Have we improved? <laughs> have we improved? <laughs> that's well, that's all we really research on. I'm excited to see what, what what is to come from the archaeology side. Yeah, hopefully it'll be good. Fingers crossed. Everybody What's listening, join. That is join. the one thing I will say. Um, and, and we will do uh, socials as well, obviously. But I just need to work out the kinks for that because obviously coronavirus exists. And again, I'm not being responsible for an outbreak of coronavirus at the University of Birmingham. <laughs> don't worry, we've got that recorded now, John. So, <laughs> I, can't, I don't have a choice now. <laughs> but you can't, no. Um, and I think like there's a lot to be said for the student societies, isn't there really? Mm-hmm. And I think it's through the student societies that we're hoping to, as many of you will have seen, um, ensure that the family scheme, which is a type of mentoring yes. in the department. I'm so passionate about the family scheme. I'm just so excited for it to run. It's just Oh, I'm best. so glad, John. That's made my day. When you said that to me in one of the meetings we had, I was really, really chuffed because it's something that I'm going to ad- administrate as the student experience officer. And yeah, there's a certain amount I can do as a staff mm-hmm. member. However, the big thing is to try and ensure that, you know, it's mm-hmm. engaged societies and with the students Mm -hmm. because it's all about having that network of people that you can engage with and can be your support network that aren't you know you do have access as students to all the support networks such as the well-being officers such as the academic writing advisory service careers network all of these incredible Mm -hmm. things but I think often you learn a lot more from or you feel more comfortable asking don't Mm -hmm. you you know other students Uh, for our listeners like what's the sort of situation with the family scheme and how can listeners get involved with it if they decided they wanted to be a parent yeah so we've sorry john i'm absolutely no plug the family scheme all the way i'm so love it we want the family scheme we love the family scheme everyone (laughs) wants the family scheme that's made my day so Essentially, what is happening at the moment is we've got a call out to all current students at the University of Birmingham to see if they would like to be a parent. Now, a parent is essentially a mentor um, and you would have a training session. um, And so you wouldn't be left floating on your own, having to deal with any situations that you've maybe felt out of your depth with. Now, that technically, technically the applications for that and the form, which is on our Instagram and you can find via an email I've sent everybody um is closing tomorrow which as we're recording that tomorrow is the 28th of august however however that that is just so i can start making sure that our incoming students have parents that is not to say that they can't also have uncles aunties um cousins i don't know 
Yeah, it would be like some weird twisted family. Strange family, strange family situation. Um, But, you know, so if any of you listening are continuing students and haven't heard about this um, until this point, like just drop me a line. I'm like the student experience officer email address. That's just my email address, which I'll pop in the, Alex can pop in the subtitles or whatever. We can make sure you know where I am. Um, (laughs) And um, there's no reason why you can't get involved incoming students you've got no choice you are in a family (laughs) really i didn't know that they would all be yeah i'm very excited for it yeah and it will you'll be in a family and you then have your network that you can choose to use socially but also for any support or ask any questions and and they and everybody's there to support one another so i I keep hijacking this one john but i know it's because it's all it's all stuff that i'm passionate about so going to be a big part of the archaeology society fingers crossed with any of the socials and things like that so um hopefully might be bringing along your kid to work today (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's also great um that the societies are so involved because i think in the past from my experience of being here like sometimes especially with archaeology society it's kind of been a bit of a separate we're a little bitty society with like yeah and it's not really like cohesive with the rest of the department Mm. um and i think it will just make it so much stronger yeah it will (laughs) well this has been really really interesting john and like i don't actually want to cut it short i'd actually be really interested to hear about because you're going into your final year aren't you i'm going to my final year oh how scary that is quite scary um i'm gonna miss you guys when you're gone um in your final year you get the opportunity to do a dissertation and that's usually on a topic that you particularly find interesting um Mm -hmm. what have you so can you tell me a little bit about that before we wrap up with our final question here we go let's get into it so my um dissertation is based off um my study tour shout out to study tour loved my study tour essay so interesting so fun um it is about Orkney and not many people know this but Orkney is like actually kind of a big deal in prehistory like it's actually got some of the older stone circles like older than Stonehenge and probably more important in my opinion but that's just me it's got tons of archaeology it's like a hotbed of archaeology one of the islands is known as the Egypt of Orkney because there's so many cairns tombs essentially that it's like amazing um so i am looking at here we go late uh, well not late iron age but iron age perspectives of their history looking at the bronze age and neolithic so the late stone age and the bronze age how iron age people viewed their history because i think that is just so interesting like how do people in the past view their past i'm going to be looking at um evidence of late iron age activity in these late Neolithic, Neolithic Bronze Age sites. So I'll be looking at like things like the Ring of Brodga, the Stones of Seness, the Cairns on Rousse, links of Nortland, all kinds of stuff, and seeing what actually is there, what evidence is there to show that there is Iron Age interaction with these sites physically on the ground. So I'm looking at Iron Age pottery, I'm looking at day school material, I'm looking at bone, I'm looking at anything that could link me back to the Iron Age in these late Neolithic early neolithic bronze age sites i'm looking at and see what i can tell and then my second database is more of a spatial analysis so i'm looking at whether iron age sites 
spatially relate to the earlier sites, whether they position were positioned in relation to them, whether it's completely ignored. Is there any evidence that we can see if they're related? Is there any evidence that there's not? Is there an orientational alignment? Is, are entrances aligned in a similar way? Does that tell us about, what can that tell us about the Iron Age in Orkney? So say if there's like two doorways that face the sunset, that's gotta be some sort of coincidence or some sort of meaning behind it, in my opinion. There is a relationship between positioning and how life was run. So is this thread continuous for thousands of years? Because that would show that there is continuous belief in Orkney from the early Neolithic right the way through to the Iron Age, which is pretty incredible. All sounds so interesting. And actually it's quite I'm interesting. So excited. Opinions of well, you're yeah. looking at what are those in the Iron Age thought of the bronze and like Neolithic, late Neolithic, well. All of the Neolithic. I'm just used to saying late Neolithic because that was what my study tour was mainly focused on because there's tons of late Neolithic stuff there. Like Orkney is a world heritage site because of the Neolithic monuments that are there. Like the Stonehenge landscape is a world heritage site, just like Orkney. The whole of Orkney. That is so fascinating. So, mm-hmm. but but the thing is, you're looking at these opinions, but with again, without written opinions, you are you are it's looking at based... my interpretations and what I think. So it's going to be interesting to see what conclusions can I draw, and can I even draw conclusions? Like mm-hmm. it may, I may come to the end of my dissertation and be like, oh, I can't say anything because the there is no you're... definite meaning. Yeah. Like. Yeah. There could be zero, there could be zero correlation between the Iron Age, the Bronze Age, and the Neolithic. There could be nothing to do with each other. Well, I don't think so, because there's always a relationship, whether you think there is one or not. It's Even if the relationship is outright ignoring, that's still a relationship. Exactly. That's still a relationship. Just because oh. you hate someone, that's still a relationship with that person. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so interesting. Well, that has led us on nicely to Alex's final question, I think. Unless yeah, you no. had Alex. No, that sounds so interesting. I'm very excited about that. Um, mm. It sounds like you've got so many great ideas for your dissertation as well. So I'm that's very cool. excited yeah. for it. Um, the final question, which we usually do to sum up, uh, to kind of wrap up the podcast is, what is one piece of advice you would give to yourself if you were a fresher again, or like what is the piece of advice you'd give to an incoming student? For me, I'm a very stressful person. Like I stress, I'm a control freak. I need to know everything, blah, 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 blah. I am that person. I just tell myself to calm down. Like- In the words of Taylor Swift, you need to calm down. You need to calm down. Like, because I was just like all over the place. I was a headless chicken trying to make sure I knew everything. Like. Do you remember the Egypt exam, Alex, and the Western Asia exam, where we had to learn, like, hundreds of images? Oh, yeah, we did have to learn. I memorised all of those images, because I was like, but what if this one little pop that's so inconsequential... Every image from every slide. But it turned out to be, like, pretty simple images, um, like, that we can all kind of think. So I just need to calm down and chill. And everyone's in the same boat as you. You may think you're all alone, but, like you're alone together, you're all feeling the same way, like, the cringe is real, like, everyone's <laughs> in the same boat as you, no one's like, 
done university for 500 times because you'll be able you can see if someone's on university because I'll be old um, but you're all in the same boat like have fun yeah. yeah I like that I think that's good advice you mm-hmm. should just come be calm just be calm calm collected chill nothing is the end of the world nothing is the end of the world and everything is the same boat and this can be reinforced with the family scheme <laughs> and joining the society yeah join the societies as well well that's so great and it's been good to hear about um the society and archaeology and like honestly we haven't heard that much about archaeology in this podcast series well i will it? talk about archaeology to death like say <laughs> the word and i'm like wrong. does someone say archaeology and they just said architecture and i was like archaeology <laughs> <laughs> i say this from the perspective of john john's recording is actually the last recording we're doing for this series so I, even though this might be shown early, like there is not much archaeology to come in this podcast. And for someone who studies classics, it's great to hear um, about it because I do feel like it's quite separated, even though there's so much uh, overlap. So it's great to hear. There's and, more than enough overlap. Yeah. And it's very exciting, the Archaeology Society so stuff. So yeah. thank you so much for coming and speaking to us on this podcast. Always. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been amazing. And the passion has just, you know, you'll probably see me next time ready in my clothes that I don't mind getting destroyed, joining some archaeology society. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Get trashy clothes for first year. Get, like, clothes that can be utterly ruined for the dig. Because if you're going on the berth, you're going to need it. (laughs) Good advice. And don't wear shoes. Don't wear shoes toe cap shoes wear boots because then the water's it's more difficult for the water to get in okay interesting okay that is my shoes got ruined like just i wore toe cap shoes and they got ruined so wear the boots and they seem better off like like a top tips 10 takeaways for like my my children will all these tips my, my top tips john's top tips i love it right on that note thanks so much Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.